hey clint it's it's me Corey. are you, are you awake oh Corey? oh i didn't know it was you i'm glad you identified yourself or i would have shot you with my phaser uh i had a nightmare you mind if i come in sure sure i'm just gonna sit here next to your bed hey wow you got a lot of library books here <laughs> yeah look at all these titles <laughs> i got kalis's guide to killing your enemies no i can uh, read clint i know how to read <laughs> oh okay wait what's the next one <laughs> the the rules of acquisition and, uh. and then i have a, a complete history of earth and its conflicts oh i haven't read that one yet oh yeah it, would, <laughs> would you mind would you like... reading that book to me so i can go to sleep sure champ all right i'm getting I'd in the bed all right i'm tucking you in i've uh replicated a nice warm glass of milk oh man all of that is to very poorly set up the best laid plans of mice and men sounded good on paper now i feel gross all of that is to set up today's captain's log on the complete timeline of the Star Trek universe. Or humans. Strap in. This is a 10-parter. The human timeline of the Star Trek universe. Corey and I have, have kind of talked about this a couple of different times. And we just wanted to do an episode where we really go over everything that happens in the Star Trek timeline. Such as uh, the Bell Riots, which were mentioned once. And eugenics war and world war three and and all that sort of crazy stuff so we finally uh jumped in and and did some research and watched some episodes and mostly you know went off the backs of what other people did and now we're going to present it to you that's right clint we both went to college years and years and years ago and we've been wanting to brush up on our academic research get that unrusted uh, and I do want to clarify, I did no research for this, and you did all of it. And I'm mostly here to make the the bits that you write that much better. Exactly. Like the flawlessly executed going to bed bit that we just did. This is the sorts of comedy that you can expect from Set Podcast is Done. All right. Well, I'm looking at the timeline, and you sent me one. And the very first entry is 3.5 billion years ago. We're not going back that far, are we? No, but we are going six billion years ago. Ah, great. While our sun is still being formed, the uh, Guardian of Forever, or as Emily calls it, the Time Cheerio, is formed. You remember that episode, right, Corey? The City on the Edge of Forever? Did not watch that one. That was the one I missed. That was, you were dead. I was dead. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that Time Cheerio was made six billion years ago, right when our sun was forming. After that, four billion years ago, Corey, do you remember the episode of TNG where Picard races a Romulan and a Klingon? Klingon, yeah. Yeah, to uh, put together an ancient puzzle. And they find out that all humanoid life in this galaxy was seeded by these weird, smooth alien people about four billion years ago. Yeah, I got real problems with that episode. But yes, I do remember. <laughs> Your favorite episode. So that happened 4 billion years ago. Now, 8,000 years BCE, before Common Era, the Dominion formed. Before Common Era. 
Yeah. Yeah. He said area. Oh, area. <laughs> oh, sorry. Everyone knows the common area. You can't can't leave your dirty dishes there or or leap your your warp plasma injectors in the common. You can area. put your Kramer poster up in there though. Exactly. 8,000 years before Christ was birthed. I don't believe I don't believe that story. I believe he he was an alien. Oh. I believe he he was a a Ferengi. That's, it's like the one on alien Jesus. he wouldn't be, but keep going. Well, he never got to the good scam part of it. You revisionist historian. He was crucified before he got to the scam part. Of his... We got to get out of this territory, Clint. Keep <laughs> okay. going. Okay. In the fourth century, so about the year 300, is when the Vulcans had their time of awakening. So that was the end of their horrific war. They were like nuking each other. And this is the time that Sirach founded his philosophy of logic and bad emotions are bad and started to propagate that so that okay so like when the roman empire is starting to weaken that's when the vulcans have nuclear weapons exactly constantine the great was a was the first to adopt christianity at this time uh the oh back on the christianity clint i know off of it that's that's this whole this whole podcast is just me trying to get people to believe that jesus was a ferengi I always thought that the Vulcans were like cavemen or in the Bronze Age during that time. They were like 21st century Earth at that time. They Like Vulcan isn't even their native planet. I think that was colonized. We know so little about them. I know, exactly. But they basically were nuking each other at that time. They were having a, just a hu- horrific global war. That's, that's why they're just so much more advanced than us. They were already having global wars while we were, you know still having Germans fighting Romans and stuff. So then the next important thing to happen was during the ninth century, about 800 common era is a uh, Kalis. He lived and defeated the tyrant Molar and he uh, began teaching honor to other Klingons. I wish you wouldn't even say that guy's name. Oh, Molar. Molar. That he was, he was quite the tyrant. I mean, if you're a Titan, a, a titan a, if you're a tyrant in the eyes of klingons how bad do you have to be okay jerry seinfeld really bad really bad what's the deal with the, all these batliths <laughs> so just to give people context that's the year 800 ish for us algebra was being founded by a muslim polymath charlemagne was around Buddhism the vikings was- were doing their things Yes, the Vikings were raiding Great Britain, and they founded Dublin. I didn't know, uh, this really shows my ignorance, but I didn't know Vikings founded Dublin. Oh, I knew that. I already knew that. That's cool. You're so smart, Corey. Hey, thanks. And uh, chess reaches Japan uh, around the 9th century, so a lot of fun things happening around there. Now we're going to jump to 1570. This is when the Bajorans were sailing around their solar system, so they created solar spaceships that use solar winds to go places Uh i thought that was interesting um and then in 1871 our time the cardassian union was established so they created i think a global planetary government i'm not exactly sure how that happened were they in space at this point i don't think so i think it just like a global government was founded they didn't really talk about it a lot like golden cot makes like a offhanded comment about it but i just thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there um okay next thing 
1893 is when Data travels back in time to meet Mark Twain. Those good times. That episode, Times Arrow, is also a terrible episode. I don't like it. I love that episode so much. Or I guess it's two episodes. I think it's great. We'll save that for when we uh, get to the review of it in like five years. Fine. And then we just have a lot of incursions for a while. So 1930s is when Kirk and Spock come back during the uh, City on the Edge of Forever episode. 1944 is when the first Enterprise crew, Jonathan Archer, they visit World War II and they fight alien Nazis. 1974, that's when Quark goes back in time to visit New Mexico. So he's the one, you know, who caused the like alien scare or whatever. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that episode existed. Is that one worth watching? DS9. I mean, it's a fun episode. I always like the Quark and the Ferengi centered episodes. They're not, they're just fun. They're just funny and fun. They're not as heady as a lot of other episodes. You said, you said 1974. I think you meant 1947. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Thanks for correcting me. 1947. And then in 1968, 1969, and 1986, this is when Kirk and the Enterprise crew visits earth a couple of times in 1986 they go back to to uh save the whales hey you're probably going to get to this but the whole eugenics thing that happens after the 80s so as far as star trek and our world is concerned anything before 19 like 90 is going to be exactly the same right yes and good that you mentioned the eugenics war because that's the next point on our timeline oh from 1992 to 1996 there is the eugenics war. Also in 1996, the SS Bodney Bay is launched. That is Khan escaping the eugenics war. Let's talk about the eugenics war real quick. Let's talk about the eugenics war. Yeah. So I've done a little bit of research on it. I, we've talked about this, how confusing it is. And it is confusing at first, but the eugenics war is different from World War Three. Right. But they're also kind of name it's kind of like at first it wasn't different because and then they realized that there wasn't going to be eugenics war in the 90s so they pushed back world war three a couple decades so we'll talk about world war three in a bit so the eugenics war kicks off in 1992 in tos they say they're only a result of selective breeding but they go back and retcon that later. And so it's a combination of selective breeding and genetic engineering. In the 1950s, Cold War era scientists create these augments. This information comes from Into Darkness, which is the Star Trek reboot sequel. So I don't know how how accurate that is, but it makes total... We were talking about this. For Khan to be able to take control of the globe by the mid nineties, he had to be born like in the sixties or at least the seventies. Yeah. I don't know how old he was to be old enough. Yeah. So I was looking at his biography. They don't state explicitly when he was born, but by 19, the 1990s, he was able to take control of basically a quarter of the planet. And so he just rules as a King. I'm trying to remember space seed. He says like he, he was a just ruler. And he did what yeah, had to be so done. He was the least brutal of all the augment dictators. So he didn't massacre his people like other governments did. Other augments like massacred and genocided their population. 
People didn't have much freedom under Khan's reign, according to him, but he didn't massacre people. And he also didn't get into wars with other countries. He only responded when he was attacked. So of of the augments tyrants, he was the less the least vicious. And instead, we got Bill Clinton. <laughs> what a monster. Also, they have books that kind of go over Khan and and talk about the eugenics war. And the books portray the eugenics war of more of like a hidden covert shadow war. I don't know if you saw the episode of in Voyager where they go back in time and they meet Sarah Silverman. Dinosaur episode. It's not the dinosaur no, that's episode. the only one I've seen. Dinosaur. I've only, that's I've the only, only seen one you've that seen. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they go back to 1996, LA. And LA is remarkably unaffected by the eugenics war. Wait, let me get this straight. There's an episode of Voyager where they go back in time to the time period of the eugenics war and they don't even like go to a it's not even like happening where the crew is it's just like something happening it, somewhere else it's not even mentioned yeah it's not even mentioned or talked about at okay all. so yeah that's i don't know the eugenics war isn't as exciting but yeah it goes from 1992 to 1996 when the augments are blasted off the planet and made somebody else's problem exactly well it's it's future humans problem now but initially, that was the big war that would like bring the Vulcans on to like that would make the the world go into a dark age and they'd come out of it with warp technology. Originally, that was the plan. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yes. In like TOS, the eugenics war and World War Three were kind of like smushed together. And then they started to realize when we got closer to the 90s that there was no eugenics war. So then they kind of pushed it off. Or what they kind of pushed where Roddenberry's just sulking in his oh, office. It's so God mad. dang it. So after eugenics war ended in 1996, which we all remember, 1999 is when Voyager 6 is launched. And that's an important thing to know for the first Star Trek movie. Now we're going to skip a couple decades and we're going to go to 2024. And this is when Ireland unites. Just nice. Hey, that one might actually happen. So, yeah, that was just a weird, like, off comment in a TNG episode. Oh, they talk about. I remember Ireland. seeing that on Reddit, and they were talking about like the Irish revolts of like the early 21st century, but they like they were bloody re- revolts, and they had to take that out of like the UK broadcast of TNG that particular scene because that's kind of a sore spot. Oh, uh huh. Yeah, I bet. So back to San Francisco then. 2024 also is when the Bell Riots take place. According to DS9, by like the 2020s, they had created these sanctuary districts where they basically put poor, sick, and mentally disabled people. And they're just kept there. They're fed. They're kind of given housing. They're not really given housing. But basically, we just start making being poor, being sick, a crime and you're basically locked up in these sanctuary zones. So in this episode of DS9, Cisco and Bashir travel back in time. They get caught up in these riots, and actually Cisco basically becomes the central figure of these riots, and it turns out that he's the, the bell guy or whatever. But these riots end peacefully. There were some hostages that were taken. Bell 
save the hostages at the cost of his own life. And this got people thinking about sanctuary cities. They became outlawed. And this is what set humanity on the path towards a utopian society where no one's poor. Well, I see in the timeline here, 20 years later is World War III. So obviously it didn't work that well. Well, it didn't, it didn't solve everything. It just set us down the path to being a better society. 2026 is when World War III begins. So we only got five more years. Even though World War III is going on, manned exploration of space is still continuing. So in 2032 is the first manned mission to Mars is launched. 2032 is also the year that Zephyrin Cochran is born. And then in 2037, the Charybdis, I have no clue how to say this. Charybdis. So in 2037, the Charybdis is the first space shuttle that humans launch that attempts to leave the solar system. And I think it just disappears. A lot of of ships that were sent out just kind of mysteriously disappear. Oh, yeah. It's like the early days of airplanes. People are just flying off cliffs. It ends in 2053. So World War III happens. It's another thing where like genetic manipulation and human enhancement is, again, at the crux of the war. It ended in 2053 with a nuclear arms exchange. You know what's kind of interesting? It Because I think if this was remade today, it wouldn't be genetic manipulation. It would be artificial intelligence, which would be like at the core of whatever fight was going on. Yeah, that AI is a good one. Or maybe if I was like resource scarcity. So yeah, World War Three stuff happens during it. Mostly nukes go off. In the episode Bread and Circuses, which we'll see in a couple episodes here, Spock says that 37 million people died in World War Three. You'd think it'd be way more than that because I think more people died in World War Two. Yes, you you would think way more people died. So in First Contact, they actually up the number of people who died in World War Three. So in World War One, about 20 million deaths were attributed to that. World War Two, 70 million deaths were attributed to that. Riker in the movie First Contact says 600 million people die in World War Three. The world was in shambles. And so, yeah, World War Three ends in 2053. And then in 2063 is when first contact happens. Okay. So that is when Zephyrin Cochran first. Hold on. I want to talk about that really quick. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Zephyrin Cochran yes. was born, according to you, in 2032. Yes. Which means that he is 31 years 30. old. Yeah. When um, Picard and his friends visit him. I'm not sure about you, but to me, in that show, it looks like he's in his late 50s or early (laughs) 60s. So I don't know why they didn't just shift that number down for his birth date a little bit. Or if that if if Roddenberry was like, no, it's 2032. Why they didn't pick, I don't know, who is young in the early 2000s. Ah, John Hamm. Why he didn't play. <laughs> oh man, John Hamm. Wow. That would have been very handsome. Very handsome Zephyr Cochran. Yes, so he would have been 31. James Cromwell, the guy who played him, was 56 when they filmed First Contact. The the writers have gone back since 
and they've said that it was due to radiation poisoning. Fuck that, dude. Fuck them. Fuck them. I'm sick of this. Sh- I'm s- okay. I almost got really mad there. Let me calm down. I am so sick of this writer revisionist stuff. And I know they know they're trolling people and they're high-fiving each other in that room. All they had to say was, oops, wrong date. Yeah. If you Nope. Ze- Zephyr Cochran is a hard 31. I saw Chernobyl. If your radiation poisoning makes you look 30 years older than you actually are, you're dead. You are no longer amongst the living. You have died. They pulled that bullshit yeah. with the Klingon foreheads. They're pulling it here. They could have just, yeah, they should. I don't know why. I guess. I mean, I did like the guy who played Zephyr and Cochran. He did an awesome job. Uh, he's we all great. love James Cromwell. They, he, that's not the issue here. The issue are these goddamn yeah. writers <laughs> sending people back to the mid nineties in LA just to hang out. <laughs> and not dealing with the ramifications of the eugenics. Okay. War. What are First you doing contact here? is my favorite Star Trek movie. I recognize it's not a very good movie, but um, I love it. What? It's it's the best. No, I know. I it's... it's not a very good Star Trek thing because it's just like an action movie. But yeah. I really I really do adore it. I love it too. It's such a Picard great movie. goes it's definitely oh, good. Definitely the best of the TNG movie era. If not the best Star Trek movie. I haven't seen the original series movie. I always okay, the thing that really bothered me about that movie when I was a kid is at the start of the movie, the Borg are invading Earth. The Enterprise is nowhere near Earth. Earth's the Federation's armada is going to meet up and try and fight the, the Borg. They don't want Picard to go because Picard had like the whole Locutus history. So they're like, Picard, stay away because they might try and take you over again. Um, the entire Federation fleet gets wiped out and Picard goes over by himself to stop the Borg. He's the last ship left in the Federation, basically. And he knows exactly where to shoot the cube to make it sh- poop out this time machine. And it always bothered the hell out of me as a kid. Like, why didn't he just tell the Armada where to shoot it? Why did he keep that a secret? Because John Luke Picard is a glory hound and he wanted to save the glory for himself. Anyway, he goes, they go back in time and they try and stop the Borg from preventing first contact, which is like post-World War Three humans putting the first warp one vessel into space, which gets noticed by the Vulcans. And that starts the renaissance of humanity. Yes, but the horrors, the post-atomic horror, according to Q, still occur until even in 2079. Like, it's still kind of Mad Maxi. Um, do you remember in the first episode of TNG, the something Farpoint, Picard is put on trial in one of these post-atomic horror courts? Well, I always thought it was like, kind of middle ages but now that you mention it, yeah. i guess it is kind of mad maxi the way everybody's dressed but there's like people dressed yeah, in like courts court outfit there's like jesters and ladies in big dresses yeah yeah the like the world has just been nuked into the stone age so things are a little fucked up and uh people have gone a little crazy mm, okay and so that's why they're like dressed as weird gestures and, and stuff so so yeah it was weird it was weird but also in 2079. Hey, can I just mention real quick that yeah. I think it's Encounter at Farpoint. I don't remember. Encounter at Farpoint. But like that episode is such a mental gymnastic. If you're going to like, hey, you know that show that was really popular in the 60s? And this is probably just a hot take and people have talked about this before, but I haven't heard it. That show that was really popular in the 1960s? Yeah. Okay, let's reboot it. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that show was really popular. What should the first episode be? Okay, there's like 
the shit the enterprise uh-huh go on goes to uh a space station far away with you so far and there's like a demigod that puts humanity on trial and they had the enterprise has to prove that they're worthy of not being destroyed by this demigod huh what yeah like it's so it's so bananas it's so like <laughs> detailed i i don't know it it it's dumb anyway keep going well though just star trek just did go through like a successful movie franchise though like in the 80s is when the Star Trek movies started appearing. So they were, they got popular enough to, to where they started the next generation. After. Sure. So uh, anyway, also in, in 2079, the uh, U- European homogeny was, was established and that kind of like began to hasten the recovery. So yeah, that happened. Okay. 2103 is when Mars is colonized. Oh, that was fast. Like yeah. 30 years after the war? Yes. Yes. I mean, basically 40-ish years. Well, no, no. Because uh, there's the post-atomic horrors. About... Like 20 years after the post-atomic horrors. It's like 50 years after World War Three ended is when we colonized Mars. Yeah. You're definitely right. It's super quick. 2079, the Earth is still reeling from their nuclear war. Well, also, it's because the Vulcans are helping humans. Yes. And also... After meeting Vulcans, humanity does begin to coalesce. It begins to unite. Knowing that there's other life out there, that unites humanity, and they begin to rebuild and continue to explore space. So by the 2110s, humans have achieved global peace and prosperity. Data talks about this, but about 50 years after first first contact, is when humanity kind of solves a lot of its problems. So there's no more diseases are wiped out. There's no more poverty. Hunger is wiped out. And then people start to live more positive, hopeful lives. We can all aspire to that. Exactly. Exactly. We only got, we, we can do this. We just got a hundred years to get our shit together. How many of those have we knocked we out so far? Um, If we can... Unite Ireland okay. in three years. We'll be right on track. Okay. Well, I think Brexit sped things up, so yeah. groovy. 2110s is when humanity achieves global peace and prosperity. 2112 is when Jonathan Archer, who mans the first deep space exploration, uh, is born. I have been watching Enterprise again, and I'm almost done with the mm-hmm. first season. And I got to say, I love that show. I, Such a I really show. like it. So good. Like, I mean, it's fun. It's, and it doesn't have a rough start. Like there's some episodes that are kind of boring, but there's no episode mm. that I've seen so far that's like, ugh, that was horrible. And the last thing I'll say is the reason I really like that show is basically everybody on the bridge I like. Like there's no one that's like, ugh, bleh. like everyone's cool. <laughs> I, I really do like having everybody on the bridge, like in a scene. Yeah, yeah. It's a great show. I love it. I love the Enterprise or Enterprise. All right. So in 2119, um, Zephyrin Cochran leaves Alpha Centauri for part in like a new spaceship and he disappears. What? I didn't know and that. No one knows where he goes. Yeah. What happens to him? Oh, you'll find out, Corey. Don't you worry. I'm not going to spoil it for you. 
in the original TOS, they actually say that Zephyrin Cochran was born on Alpha Centauri. Wait, hold on. Wait, you said the original TOS, which is like you saying the original, the original series. (laughs) The original series, yes. (laughs) So in the original TOS, Zephyrin Cochran (laughs) is a... Don't even pretend that we've said his name the same. I know, they're right, they're right. (laughs) Cochran, he's not an earthling. Zephyrin Cocker Spaniel. So he's actually born on Alpha Centauri. He's not a human. And there's an Earth exploration vessel. Can you say that that again? He's not an Earthling. Okay. Zephyrin Cochran in the original TOS. He invents warp drive, but he's not originally an Earth person. I don't think so. Maybe he is. I, I might be getting this wrong. We haven't gotten the episode where they talk about this. But he's from Alpha Centauri. And like a pre-warp vessel gets there. He discovers warp drive and then they transmit the, the technology to earth and then they build their own warp drive on earth. So um, by 21, by the 2150s, the earth government is united as well as humanity. So all of humanity has a global government and, and that stuff. So, and this is when enterprise starts. And Archer goes yes, on his adventure. Is. Yes. So the Enterprise show um, takes place from 2151 to 2155. Can you guess what happens next, Corey? Well, in the timeline, it says Earth Romulan War. War, Corey. War. But before that, the Federation formed. Or no, or the Fed. No. Okay. So Enterprise was supposed to go until like through the Earth Romulan War, and it was supposed to end with the founding of the Federation. And because they yes, couldn't get yeah. to that point, the last episode of Enterprise had to be Riker watching everything on the hollow deck to like speed things up a little bit. Yeah, don't they do like a 10 year time skip between the second to last episode and the last episode. So their plan was for the show to go another four seasons. Most Star Trek shows went seven, eight seasons about. So it wasn't too too crazy. Like I think DS9 Voyager and TNG were all seven to eight seasons long. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know TNG was at least eight seasons. It makes me think like if that was the point of the whole show and they knew they were doing that fourth season, because that fourth season feels really aimless. If I remember right, it's been years since I've watched it. You'd think they would have just done eight years later. Well, they in the fourth season, they do get to the conflict between humans and Romulan, like things are starting to heat up between the Romulans and the the humans. But that war takes place from 2156 to 2160. And the Romulan, the earth Romulan war ends in an, an embarrassing defeat for Romulus. And that's in 2160 is when the, uh, the neutral zone is established. One of our favorite plot devices. But then in 2161, the Federation is founded by Earth, Telar, Andromeda, and Vulcan. The Telar and the Andromeda don't come up too much for being old pals of the humans. They don't. They don't. There's like, maybe yeah. the makeup's hard to do. Hey, what's this? It says 2164, so three years after the Federation is founded, reboot Stardate. I think that is when the movie reboots. Oh, like, I think like something oh, happens okay. at that time. Yeah, because they split the timeline. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, it says US USS Franklin goes missing in Star Trek Beyond. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. I didn't get into the alternate you. timeline because that's very confusing. Not a lot happens that's really that interesting either. But in the regular timeline, 2165, four years after the Federation is founded, um, Sarek is born. Oh, he's an old, he's old as balls. Yeah. Spock's dad is born. All right. 2233 is when Kirk is born. 2250 is when Pike takes command of the Enterprise for its second five-year mission. There was someone else who did it before that, but I didn't think that was too interesting. Captain Robert April. Yes. And it's like a couple years before. You that. know that like Roddenberry was sitting at his table and his writers came into the room silently and each one held a postcard with three names on it. And they laid it down and the first one said Robert April. And the next one said <laughs> Christopher Pike. And the third one said James T. Kirk. And he just stared at them in concentration. And then picked the one that sounded the coolest. The fact that those three are like, which was Pike. Yeah. He, yeah. That's true. He did pick Pike. And then that worked out. He's like, ah, fine. Kirk. It is Robert April. Yeah. That's not a strong name. I don't, I, that, I don't yeah. see a strong jaw with that name. All right. Mm-mm. So what happens next? Um, so 2254 is when the events of the cage take place. So that's four years into Pike's, command of the enterprise are you going to hit me with 30 data points where the 30 episodes happen that we've seen so far no i'm not i'm not gonna do that i just thought the cage was interesting because it's like when did that happen it happened in the okay past. wait so when was kirk born kirk was born 2233 okay we've done this math before so this means that kirk was 21 years old when he took over the enterprise <laughs> well you know actually the thing is is he he was he, the reason he looks 36 years old is because of the he's radiation. not actually human he's from alpha centauri and he's been irradiated <laughs> yeah well actually what happened was he was born and then they put him in a faster than light rocket that didn't have any time dilation protection so he was just traveling at, at light speed for a ton of time, right? And as we all know that when you're traveling at the speed of light, time goes faster for you. So he is actually aging quicker. Hey, do they ever those... talk about that in Star Trek, by the way? Like why? No, they don't ever it would talk be cool. about that. Like, it would be such a weird I headache. would take, they have shielding for that, like as a simple explanation. And I think a cool episode mm. would be they run into humans who launched uh, and didn't have that shielding and to those humans like they've only been traveling for two years but now they're like hanging out with our homies in the 22 2300s that'd be a cool premise for a show okay we'll talk about yes kirk kirk in a little bit but uh the cage 2254 in 2256 to 2257 is the klingon federation war and this is the first uh, season of Discovery takes place during during this time. Whoa, well. spoiler. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Oh. And then in 2265 to 2270 is where Kirk takes uh, command of the Enterprise and starts his five-year mission, which is the third tour of duty for the ship that Enterprise. Okay, everything I said about him being 21 years old, take all of that out because I was doing the wrong math. <laughs> I was like, what? in 2265 to 2270, 
Kirk takes command of the Enterprise. They start their five-year mission. What were we saying? He is, oh, 65. Um, so he's 32. Kirk is Yeah, I was subtracting the wrong year. Pike happened 10 years before Kirk. Yeah, so that's not too bad. 32, take over the, the Enterprise is pretty good. Well, that's about how old I am, and I haven't <laughs> accomplished that yet. 2265 is where the episode No Man Has Gone Before, and they state the star date is 1312.4, which I just thought was interesting. So after they come back from their five-year mission in 2270, Kirk is promoted to Admiral. And then between 2273 and 2293, that's when all the TOS movies take place. All right. So after TOS finishes, that's a good place to take a break for now. Uh, We don't want this episode to get too long. So next time we pick up, we'll pick up with the next generation timeline. So until we see you next time, keep on trekking.